Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 108, Not Our Favorites. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Tom. So I guess he wiggled away from the Mandalorian again. (laughs) We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those like flexible situations. He catches you, you get away. Maybe he'll be caught again next week. We'll see. We'll see what happens. No, in all honesty, he's got a, he's got some stuff going on where he could not make it tonight. Uh, but that's fine. That's why we we think it's a great idea that we have three people to do the podcast because if one person can't make it, you still have you still have some banter between the other two of us. That's right. We soldier on. So on tonight's episode, we're gonna, we're going to talk about. Our least favorite rides at Disney World. The worst rides and attractions at Disney World. And I, I think we pretty much stayed away from shows. I mean, I think this is strict. This list is strictly rides, right? Have, have you actually looked at the list? There's one. Sh- there, well, there's two shows. Okay. Okay. You may be, you may be a little surprised uh, with some of the rides on here. There's definitely one that I don't agree with. Yeah. Make the list and, you know, you have a little bit more input. Let me, let me stress to our listeners. He says, like, make a list like he worked hard on this. I bet it took him 30 seconds to type this out. I, so don't let yeah. him take credit for making a list. No, that's fair. That's fair. There are no notes here. I mean, thank goodness I know which every, what every attraction is, because otherwise we'd be up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Before we get into that, uh, let's go to the news for this week. So most of the news this week has to do with Hollywood Studios and the kind of massive announcement that uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is now on the FastPass system. This is uh, this is starting February nineteenth, so obviously we're inside the thirty day window where you can make uh, make fast pass reservations for that. But this has this has really uh, messed with the, the tier systems at Hollywood Studios, and and Disney kind of did what we asked them to, right? So so the two tiers at uh, Hollywood Studios now are going to be Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run and Slicky Dog Dash on tier one, and everything else on tier two. Yeah, I think while you talk about the reshuffling of the fast pass system or the fast pass tiers, this was probably a welcome change at Hollywood Studios because now I think you can really go build three fast passes, even if you're not able to get a tier one in Smuggler's Run or a tier one in Slinky Dog and have a really really good lineup of fast passes. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a I think this is a good call. Be curious to see what uh, what they're going to do with Rise of the Resistance when and if they actually start offering fast passes for that ride. If they're just going to put that in into uh, into tier one or what they'll do, to me, if you've got Rise of the Resistance at tier one, Millennium Falcon really doesn't belong in tier one with Rise of the Resistance, right? So I, I don't know how they're going to work this, but uh, but that is the the big news out of Hollywood Studios this week. And in addition, and this was I guess when our last episode released on Tuesday, Rise of the Resistance just didn't open, and it and it didn't open for seven hours. I don't know what could have caused this because they still did boarding groups and everything in that morning. The attractions didn't open, correct? Yeah, so uh, boarding groups were gone by 7.01 a.m., as as is per normal. The backup boarding groups were gone by about 7.30. And then at 2 o'clock, they called the first boarding groups of the day, which was 12 through 24. So I don't know how, how many they got through on Tuesday, but that's a long time. That's pretty disappointing to, to plan your day at Hollywood Studios and then have the ride that you showed up 
early four not work. Yeah, that would be brutal. And I'm just, again, I hear all these horror stories about Rise of Resistance, and I'm just thankful that it didn't happen to us on either trip that we've gone to, to do the attraction. Uh, the other thing for Hollywood Studios is that uh, Disney has added more 7 a.m. openings. And, and really, this has been extended through uh, February 3rd. The park will be open at 7 a.m. And then February 4th through 29th, the park will be opening at 8 a.m. I think the expectation right now is that if the crowds continue to show up for Rise of the Resistance, and there's no indication that they won't, that these the 8 a.m. opening hours are probably going to be rolled back to 7 a.m. I, I think that's kind of what Disney's going with at this point. Yep, and, and I think uh, eventually they, they will be able to, to move these hours, but Again, the crowds are dictating. I mean, you get to a you get to a situation some mornings where there's just too many people, and they have to open the park. And so we'll see if the level of interest remains as high as it has been through kind of a seasonally slow time until March, really, until spring break hits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Skyliner over to Epcot. Really, the only piece of news at Epcot is there are a couple of temporary guest experience kiosks that have been set up in Future World. With all the construction in Future World, I, th- I think this is important to, to help guide guests and, and help them really get to where they're going. Because it's, I mean, it's a mess trying to get through Future World right now. There are significant sections of it that are blocked off that, you know, if you don't know where, exactly where you're going, you're going to have a difficult time navigating. Uh, the only other park news we have is obviously Splash Mountain is down for its seasonal refurbishment. It looks like that they are doing a ton of work to the exterior of this ride, which to me, it didn't really look like it needed it, but there's all kinds of scaffolding set up around the around the structure of the ride. Not so much on the mountain part itself, but uh, but all the buildings. It looks like they're replacing roofs, some of the some of the trees that are that are scattered around. So it looks like this is a pretty uh, pretty in depth refurb, which which as we've discussed, it sorely needs. Yeah, it does. It does. The last piece of news that I've got, and this really doesn't even relate to Disney World. This is a uh, this is a Hong Kong Disney piece of news, but I think it's I think it's important to mention that Hong Kong Disney is closed, and it's been closed for a couple of days now because of the spread of this virus in uh, in China. So hopefully we don't see this spread much further, but uh, it's it's scary. Yeah, I hope that. Uh, I mean, obviously Disney aside, I mean for the health of of humanity and humans in that area, right? Uh, but obviously, it's a very serious, serious deal if Disney's closing. And that's all the news we've got. That's not a whole lot this week. Yeah, pretty light week of news. Kind of in that refurb season for Disney, especially for some of the water rides, as, as we've mentioned. So yeah, just kind of a light time for news, I guess. All right, before we get into the main topic for tonight, let's uh, pause for just a second to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando, and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun, but you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. 
Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Okay, so we're going to talk about the worst rides and attractions at Disney World. And, you know, honestly, I think that the only, the only reason that I ride any of these rides is if it's summertime, there's three-hour waits for everything, there's literally nothing else to do, and these are the rides with the shortest wait times. Now, that's not true. There's a couple of these I'll probably take my daughter to. Yeah, I think looking at the list... I, I, I don't think I don't think there's anything. There's one. There's not nothing that you put on this list that I ride every time I go to Disney World. Well, but there's nothing on here that's that we think is bad just because it's strictly designed for small children, right? Like, I, I don't think that age has nothing to do with this list, right? The thrill factor of these rides really has nothing to do with the list. These are just bad rides or bad attractions in general, right? Can we agree on that? Yeah, I think for the most part. We could agree on that. We'll we'll leave a couple of them up to each of <laughs> to uh, your own opinion. But yeah, I think for the most part we could agree on that. And I I think he mentioned we try to stay away from the shows because for the most part I actually think all the shows are pretty good. Yeah, I don't know of any like really bad shows at Disney World. But I also think for for the purpose of this, we don't want to to put the shows in a different list. So let's uh let's dive in. All right, let's dive in and and. First, first one I had on the list, and, and this was, I guess, top of my mind, you know, talking about your experience on this just a couple of weeks ago, and that was uh, Primeval Whirl. And, and we've gone through the torture and the terror that you had on there, but, you know, in a word, just describe, describe this ride. Painful. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of words that I could use to describe this attraction, you know, off the shelf, terrible, um, dirty, run down, old. Looks like it belongs in a parking lot. A lot of things I could go. I would tell you this: the uncomfortable. It's not built for the adult. It truly is one of the worst attractions at Disney World. I wrote it for the podcast. I, I highlighted that on one of the Tom Does Disney's episodes. I did it for the research of it. I had to see was it as bad as I thought it was, and it might have been slightly worse. Yeah, so this ride, even if you're looking for a roller coaster to ride with with a small child, like there are much better roller coasters. Slinky Dog, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, even uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Like those are roller coasters that are designed for children, right? That don't suck. Yeah, yeah, and 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 aren't going to break your this back. One, this one, this one's uncomfortable. And if you want a more in depth rundown of what what my experience was like i mean it was it was brutal it was brutal painful again i'm gonna get a one word uncomfortable painful brutal you pick one of the three that's this attraction in a nutshell so there you go and and this area needs to be torn down anyway so no no great loss here seasonal operations so I, that's typically the kiss of death for for disney attractions i personally hope it goes away yeah i hope all of dino land decides to go away but anyway what do we have next on the list all right, so next on the list, and I almost hate to put this on here because it feels like a classic piece of Disney history, but it's the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Like, do you remember the last time you actually did this? Two-ish years ago? You did. Yep, I did. I did on a Christmas trip. 
And that's about the only time I would consider it. Christmas, definitely not summer, but I'm, I'm thinking like more near crowd levels, like where you just need to do something. But yeah, it's terrible. I mean, there's there's nothing here, right? It's I, I guess. I mean, there's a good view when you get to the top, kind of, of other things in Magic Kingdom, but not... This isn't an attraction that really fires me up. Yeah, I, I just... I don't... I guess I don't understand the point of this still being here, other than it, it can absorb a, a a big crowd, I guess, right? I think I heard it best when, when I was at Disney and, and heard a kid or family or whatever, you know, go up and then back down and then exit, and they were like... Oh, we we thought that was the cue for the attraction we were going to do. <laughs> and so that's kind of the way. And that would be a great cue for an attraction. It would be a great cue, but it's not a good attraction. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's sad when you know you think of the cue for Avatar: Flight of Passage, or you think of the cue for Rises of Resistance. Like those cues are better than this attraction. The cue for Peter Pan's better than this attraction. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So another an, our next attraction. Probably could have combined this. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Magic Carpets, Triceratops Spin, Astro Orbiter. Going to put them all together. Because we have more than 10 attractions anyway. And the these, you know, there's something about Dumbo that I don't know why it makes it just such a great attraction. But these three just feel like copycat Dumbo. And I know Astro Orbiter's not. Astro Orbiter's definitely different. I think Astro Orbiter falls in here because of the uncomfortableness of the ride vehicle. And then I think Magic Carpets and Triceratops Spin just feel like people, consumers. I mean, I guess you, in Carpets, you have the tilting effect that you didn't have in Dumbo. And at one, I will say at one point as a child, I did like Magic Carpet, but I don't know. It just, it feels like an off-the-shelf attraction. And the same thing for Triceratops Spin and then Astro Orbiter. Much cooler design, but the actual ride vehicle itself is not, it, it doesn't really work for two adults. You know, my wife and I have, have ridden it. It's really and and it's really uncomfortable. So I want to split these up kind of into Triceratops Spin and Magic Carpets, and then handle Astro Orbiter separately because I have a whole different set of issues with Astro Orbiter. But but yeah, Magic Carpet, you know, Magic Carpets being in Magic Kingdom with Dumbo already in Magic Kingdom is pointless. It's it's literally a worse theme version of Dumbo, right? Dumbo, you've got. You know, the whole ride is is great, right? Magic Carpets is just plopped right there in the middle of Frontierland. And there's a camel there. And that really sets the sets the mood, right? So it's really the theming of, of Magic Carpets that I think bothers me. Triceratops Spin, again, part of Dino Land, just tear it down. But it, but it is one of those just plucked off the shelves, dropped in the middle of the park. Hey, ride this, peons. Kind of, kind of rides. Now, Astro Orbiters, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a very uncomfortable ride. The view is, is awesome that you get up there if you want to see Tomorrowland. Now, if you go up there thinking, Hey, I'm going to see the whole Magic Kingdom, you're really not, but, but you do get a, you do get a decent view of, of Astro Orbiters, but you wait. I mean, you wait in an hour and a half line to ride an elevator up to get on these things. And it's like, that's it. You know, it's similar to Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, right? You go through this queue and it's like, oh, that's it. You get on the ride. Oh, that's it. That's that's my problem with Astro Orbiters. Yeah, I think I think all of that, all that makes sense. And I, I couldn't, I don't disagree with it. I don't disagree with any of it. So if, if they were to come in and, I mean, Astro Orbiters really is an iconic, I guess, part of Tomorrowland. Yeah. I don't think you can get rid of Astro Orbiter. But I'm not waiting in line for it. No, I don't. I don't ride it anymore either. But it wouldn't be the same looking into Tomorrowland without seeing Astro Orbiter go. No, it wouldn't. And, and this may be the exception that I have to, you know, 
this list not being influenced by by our age or, or by where we are in life because you know if if I'm a nine year old kid this is cool right this is something that I want to do magic carpets yeah, I, if I've just gotten off a of Dumbo is magic carpet something that I want to do no not after I've gone through the Dumbo queue and and you know done all that no I say Dumbo queue but not really right right no I agree with you I agree with you. So, but 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 yeah, Astro Orbiter may be one that that is influenced by how large we are and how old we are. But I'm I'm certainly not doing it anymore. Yeah, I don't either. But but that's one I don't I couldn't see going away. Every other attraction we've named: Primeval World, Swiss Family, Magic Carpets, Triceratops Spin. So far, I'd be I'd be okay if they went away. Yeah, I agree. And this other one, our next attraction. Oh, we almost had, it was almost gone. We thought they were getting rid I, of it. We thought it was gone. And we, we had like a pre-celebration, Tomorrowland Speedway. And here's an interesting one. Now, while, while we don't like this attraction, I think they could retheme it. And I would actually kind of like it. Like if they rethemed it to cars, I would like it more than the current way it sits today. Look, if they made this ride just like Test Track, you know, where it was, you don't even have to put it indoors. You just put up some cars-themed sites, animatronics, you know, whatever. Make the cars drive themselves. Take away that driving aspect. Take away the stinky gas and oil, burning oil smell, you know, the, the cars are loud. They don't fit in Tomorrowland. There's a lot they could do where I would, where I could get on board with this, but in its current state, it's, it's one of the worst attractions at Disney world. And this is not influenced by my age. As a kid, I had no desire to do this. You could go to your local, you know, Frankie's fun park type place. If you wanted to ride go-karts and you weren't on a track there either. I mean, you could be the best driver in the world, and there's no way you can keep this thing on the track correctly. I mean, you'll be bouncing back and forth the whole time. So this is one that it just doesn't do it for me. It uh, there, There's no endearing feature of this ride. Now, I will say that this was, I mean, you go back to Autopia at Disneyland, right? Opening day attraction. I'm pretty right. sure this was an opening day attraction at Magic Kingdom also. Correct? I think it was as well. So, you know, you do have that aspect that there's always been this car but but these are like crappier versions of go-karts right if they were futuristic at least and they fit into future world you know if they're electric cars if, if you're riding around mini teslas or some something like that but it, it just it doesn't work for me yeah it never has for me and if you've been a listener of any any length of our podcast in the history of it you would know our opinion here and that we did think this was almost gone at one point and we rejoiced and cheered and then they announced they were opening it back up. They did get rid of they did get rid of a good portion of it though. So it's like a cockroach, it's never going anywhere. <laughs> so next next one on this list, and I, I really wish Matt were here to talk about this because I think he has espoused on on many, many situations that this is his favorite attraction at Disney World, which I, I don't understand at all. But this is PhilharMagic. I can see the charm of it, and I think we've talked about this at length before. My problem with Philhar Magic is that it's literally you're you're going in and you're rehashing Disney movies, right? There's nothing extra, and I, and I have this problem with rides that are just rehashes of movies too. There's maybe not rides because I mean you look at Peter Pan and that's kind of a classic, but I guess shows. You know, you look at the Beauty and the Beast show at at, at uh, Hollywood Studios. Not my favorite because it's it's rehashing the movie. Whereas you look at a show like Festival of the Lion King, not rehashing the movie, add something different, it's a success in my opinion. And, th- and that's my biggest problem with Philhar Magic is that 
you know, you get this great opening, right? Great premise. And then you literally rehash Disney movies. Yeah. So here, I, I'm kind of, when it first, when this first came out, I loved it. And I still do it every time I go to Disney World, believe it or not. Now, do I do it for the attraction itself? Maybe not. Do I do it to escape the heat? Probably. Uh, do I do it to escape the crowds at times? Yes. I think if they updated this, it may not land on this list for me. But again, under its current state, where technology has gone with what they can do on attractions these days, visually, I'm not sure that that this one still stands up to what's out there. I mean, you, you look at the visual effects they have on Flight of Passage or Soarin' even. I mean, this, this doesn't hold a candle to either. So I think... I think for the the average park goer, the first time park goer will go on it and like it. The one who goes to Disney World more often will probably go on it out of the memory of oh, I used to love you know the nostalgia factor. But I think it's not a uh, it's not. I mean, it's it probably falls into the one of the worst attractions at Disney World. You know, I put it like this: if you start think if you start thinking about attractions in Magic Kingdom, would you rather do Philhar Magic or Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor? Philhar Magic or Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin? Philhar Magic or Small World, even. It, I mean, Philhar Magic. I mean, it just you start comparing it. Philhar Magic to Figment. I'd probably rather do Figment. So, and, and well, which is a favorite of mine. But I'm just I'm getting the point because a lot of people don't like Figment anymore. So, yeah, I think I think that they could they maybe could maybe maybe could salvage this, and that's probably the route they would go before they just trashed it. But it's it is not there for me anymore. Yeah, I mean this uh, this attraction came out in 2003. So at this point, we're we're at 17 years without a change, right? Yep, not one change to it. That's that's right. And technology has come so far that, that yeah, you you update this a little bit, add some new scenes, add some new movies, hell, add a Frozen section to this. You know, do something, do something a little bit different rather than playing the same show over and over and over again. And, and you're right; it's a great place to escape the heat. It's a good you know 15 minute kind of rest your legs, but. I'd almost rather see this theater be home to rotating shows or, or you know something like that than than just play Philhar Magic over and over and over again. Yeah, another another show that probably it can be down on some people's list. Would you rather see this or Muppets 3D? Muppets for me, not even close. So, but Muppets, I'm with you. Muppets kind of has that additional element, right? You've got the puppets kind of throughout the theater. You have the and I, and I guess you get some of that with Philhar Magic too, but it, but it's tough. I I don't see Muppets 3D, Muppet Vision 3D as in the same class as Philhar Magic, right? Exactly, exactly. And I don't know why that is, but I just I just don't. So another Magic Kingdom ride here. I don't understand the the purpose of this ride, and that's Voyage of the Little Mermaid. This was part of the New Fantasyland expansion. And it almost seems like Disney really, really missed the boat on this one. Not to not to use too big of a pun there. The the queue for this is immense and very intricate and very detailed. And the the queue might be my favorite part of the ride because I I think that this is the best air conditioning at Magic Kingdom. It's really good. It's strong. It's strong. But the ride itself is just the animatronics are good, but it's just kind of pointless. And I think the crowd reaction to that shows people agree with me, right? I mean, this is a ride that even in the dead of summer has no more than a 15 minute wait. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I almost wonder if people don't know it's back there. 
I, I don't think that's a problem. I, I think that people ride this once and it's not repeatable like a Haunted Mansion or a Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I mean, and I, and I don't know why that is because really very much in the same vein, right? They're, they're Omnimover dark rides. I mean, you can call Pirates a not really an Omnimover, but, but certainly Haunted Mansion. Why is Haunted Mansion so repeatable when Voyage of the Little Mermaid people are one and done or, or once in their life and done? I mean, it's not something that we even try to go back to unless we're desperate or trying to kill time. Pretty much before a BR guest reservation is the only time I ever, you know, if I'm waiting on a BR guest reservation is the only time I would go ride this. Yeah, I don't know what makes it. I don't know what makes it uh, such a non-people pleaser either because the interesting thing is the the soundtrack is so popular. And so it's it's a popular movie. It's a popular soundtrack. They do a pretty good job of depicting the story. The animatronics aren't aren't near the best animatronics at Disney, but I think the Ursula is pretty, pretty good in there actually. I mean, it's, it's definitely a cheaper feeling ride, but yeah, I think Disney thought they were going to have big crowds for this attraction. Pete mentioned the, the, how extensive the queue is and it is, I mean, it's, it's one, it's very detailed, but it's also, it can hold a ton of people. And I think the biggest complaint I have is how long it takes to get to the attraction because you're just walking the whole time because they have all the space to fit people. So yeah, this is a this is one that I don't I don't for me personally I, I don't hate the attraction, but if we're if we're trying to tell you what are some of the worst attractions at Disney, if you look at if wait times, this one stacks up with with uh, I don't know you you name an attraction that never has a wait. This is this is right there with it, and it and it should be a, it should be popular, right? I mean, they obviously spent a ton of money on this. They spent a ton of money on the animatronics. They put a lot of time into this, you know, into the queue, into the show building, everything. It's, but it's just not good. And I, I can't pinpoint exactly why it's not good. It, it just, it feels like overkill, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's just too much Little Mermaid between the show they have in Hollywood Studios and this attraction, or you have a little bit of Little Mermaid and Phil Magic as well. I don't know. I don't know, but it definitely does not pull the crowds that, that Disney anticipated if I had to, uh, if I had to guess. Yeah, it just, it feels like a, you know what, it, it honestly feels like that the Imagineers spent their entire budget for this ride on the animatronics. And so they have these killer animatronics and they were like, oh crap, we don't have any time or money to plan the, what the ride is actually going to be. So we're just going to plop these animatronics in here and, and go. Yeah, I don't know. Right? I mean, I don't know. I want to like it, but I don't. Now, the next one you have on the list, he has Figment on the list. Now, to imagination. now, let me provide some context here. Yeah, you need to. Because Figment in the form that it's in now is... I, I like the idea of Figment. I don't like the execution of where Figment is now. I don't know that you ever rode the original Figment, did you? If I did, I don't really remember it. So I think that... So so 98 would have been the last year that, that the original Journey into Imagination was there. Yeah, I would have ridden it. So you must have. Here's you thing. must have read. Here's it. the thing for me, like why, why I like the attraction. I was going to it with the right frame of mind. Of I'm just going to joke about this attraction, so I always enjoy it. And for me, soundtracks are big. So that's why for, for the Little Mermaid attraction in in Magic Kingdom, I like the soundtracks. I don't hate the attraction all that much. Same thing with same thing with Journey to Imagination. I love the one little spark song. So at the end of the day, I'm at least going to enjoy that aspect of the attraction. Yeah, you know? and, and I'm, I, this ride has good parts, right? I mean, it's and, and after a couple of trips around the world showcase, you know, it's it's fun to to ride Journey into Imagination. 
But I mean, if I missed this, you know, when we were looking at the bunnies and, I, and we missed this ride because it closed, I, I didn't miss it that much. I know you did. You were devastated. Yeah, I've missed it. I've missed it on two different Disney Disney trips. And, and I don't know if you. I don't know if you. Uh, I guess we talked about it last week that uh, they're extending closing for this ride until park close, which is good. Which is good because I'll tell you what that seven o'clock window will really sneak up on me late in the afternoon. Yeah, no question. I, I might spend a little too much time in the UK and then have to rush through Canada, and then inevitably somebody's hungry and wants the bathroom, and then. You kind of fiddle around doing that, and then it's like, oh, and then you're counting the bunny rabbits. Figment. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it was incredible that day. I mean, we counted, I don't know, there were a lot of rabbits, five to seven, a lot of bunny. I mean, that's what literally what we were doing. I was like, man, it's like a little rabbit kingdom back here. So I, I think I put this on here to provoke you more than anything, but, but truthfully, Pete, there are a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, who very, very much miss the old version of the attraction and don't like the new, new version. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny to say new. I mean, we're. We're 20 years in, but... Yeah, correct. I mean, 2000... Let's see, 2002. So yeah. so 18 years almost. Uh, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's it's one of those things at Epcot that if it were gone, you'd miss it. But is it an integral part of, of Epcot? I, I don't know. It's, I think that's up for debate. So one that's not up for debate for me is the next tractional list. This falls very, very similarly to Primeval primeval world for me it is barnstormer goofy's barnstormer one that even as a kid i didn't really like so i I don't want to say this is an age thing however for our older listeners or our taller listeners our our adult listeners it's not comfortable it's painful i i I think i've shared the story one time my wife and i rode this together and it was actually in the summer very crowded park not so much crowded by barnstormer and there was no wait for it so we hadn't been to Disney at that time. I hadn't been in, I don't know, four years, five years. So I say, let's go do Barnstormer. And it was so dead that Disney actually asked us after we rode one time, you know, the 47 seconds that it is, do you want to ride again? This might be the only attraction in Disney World, this and Primeval World, that I say no. <laughs> and I got up and I said, no, thank you. I, I appreciate the offer. Now, if you could get Splash Mountain to let me do that, that'd be great. Or, or Rock and Roller Coaster, but... No, not here. Not at Barnstormer. And if, I mean, if you're a small adult and you have a small child with you, you can fit two people in one of these cars, I think. I mean, my, my wife and I fit, to, I mean, two people in the car. Probably not very comfortably. No, it wasn't. It wasn't comfortable, but the attraction's not even good. No, and that's that's the thing. There are better starter roller coasters, again, at Disney World. I mean, Big Thunder, Seven Dwarfs Mine Dog. Train, Slinky Dog. Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. Yep. There are better starter roller coasters than this at Disney World. For for sure. I I don't even think it's worth going back here anymore. I mean, what else is back here? The Big Top and this? I couldn't tell I you mean, the last time I've been back here. Isn't Dumbo kind of back there? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I think I think in general this is one of those attractions I, I the only one like Pete mentioned we, we try to take out the age factor here. This one isn't about age for me. I can I can honestly say that it's it's not a good attraction. Where Disney has has come with starter roller coasters, that's what we're going to call it. They've come a, a long way. Where they have found, in my opinion, a way to bridge the gap between the starter roller coaster that's also enjoyable for the average park goer. That's why you see these ridiculous wait times for Slinky Dog and Seven Dwarfs, especially because it it's appealing to the masses. You know, you have your group of. 25 to 30 year olds go in and want to ride Slinky and you have your families with little ones that want to ride it. And you even have, I mean, they're, they're tame enough where 
if you go and you have your grandparents there, I mean, they can ride them. And so you, you really, that's, that is really good to me that Disney's able to span across all those age groups. And that's why these, the barnstormers of the world, the, uh, you know, the primeval worlds of the world, they don't, they don't see these wait times because they only appeal to a very, very small park going population. And you're a hundred percent right. That, that to me says well-designed, good attraction. If, if it appeals to small children, to, to guys like us, you know, to parents, to kids, to you're, you're right. Grandparents. I mean, that to me says good attraction. And and you and you see that with Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. You see that with most of the rides that Disney has been designing over the last ten years. Avatar: yeah, Flight Rise of Passage, Resistance. Rise of Resistance. Yeah, Rise of Resistance is not a thrill ride. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it by any stretch of the imagination. There are some thrilling aspects to it. I say it's thrilling. Yep, but it's not a it, it's not a roller coaster that goes upside down. It's not a Tower of Terror that that drops you, you know, forty feet or fifty or however much it is. It's not a splash mountain. So yeah, that to me says well-designed attraction. When you get these rides like Barnstormers that you have to be a parent with a small child that is willing to be uncomfortable, to me says poor, poorly designed attraction. Now the next one on our list, I think it's just dated and aged. I think that's all. I don't think you see today's kids enjoying it, and I don't think you see today's adults and park goers enjoying it. There's a reason that the hours are limited. Uh, Tom Sawyer's Island. Yeah, and similar situation here is with the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, except there's less to do here than at Swiss Family Robinson, right? I don't know that I'd agree with that. You have the caves you can kind of explore. You know, there are some fun aspects to Tom Sawyer Island. I just think today's park goer is different. I mean, when this was popular, you didn't have, you named the big attractions, right? You didn't have those there. I think the park going experience from being and maybe the immerse is the wrong word because it's very immersive at Tom Sawyer Island. Well, I, I guess here's my here's my thing. It's and, just and not overly interesting. It's not overly interesting. So you look at Pirates of the Caribbean, okay? And you look at if Pirates of the Caribbean were as initially designed a walkthrough attraction, would Pirates of the Caribbean still have the appeal to modern park goers that it does? I, I don't think it would. It'd be like, oh, we're going to walk through and see the pirates. And people would get to the end and say, oh, is that it? And I think that's a similar experience that they have with Tom Sawyer Island and Swiss Family Robinson Treehouses. Oh, that's it. You know, you you really have to, I guess, kind of wow people. And and so just think about a walk through Pirates of the Caribbean versus the iteration that we have. What a difference being on a boat makes. I mean, there's a, there's a small drop, right? You might get a little wet. But, but what a difference it makes to be on a boat versus walking through those scenes. Or being on a moving conveyor. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's that I couldn't I couldn't summarize it any any better than that. But Aunt Polly's is good when it's open. Yeah, when it's open is the the key takeaway there, listeners. Now, our next attraction I don't think is officially closed, right? Yeah, I don't think Disney's ever actually announced that this is closed. I think it just has kind of disappeared. So, we can, so is this a loophole of why we can list this? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I'll tell you our secret. It's either our secret or our trivia question. Let me let me double check. Yeah, actually, our our, our secret and our and our trivia question are about this attraction. So we're going to claim it's open for the purpose of this episode, even though we're pretty sure it's been completely dismantled at this point. And no, we're not talking about the Great Movie Ride because we all know that is closed. Uh, we are talking about Stitch's Great Escape. I mean, 
I don't know if this attraction is so bad because Alien Encounter was so good talk, in our opinion. Talk about just ripping something's heart out and pooping on it and then putting it back in for people to enjoy. I mean, that's what they did to extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be as descriptive as Pete there, but I think I think Disney listened. I mean, they listened to the fans here. There were some people that complained about how scary Alien Encounter was, but it wasn't like it was without warning. I mean... Parents should you were warned pretty explicitly like hey this is going to be a a scary attraction it was and, and then they just they, they built Stitch's Great Escape and it just wasn't good well and they were trying to capitalize on the popularity of Stitch right and and I don't Disney has this problem when they come out with movies you know we saw it with Frozen where okay you've got this movie you don't know if it's going to be a hit or not. How long is the lead time to build an attraction at a park? Three three years? Four years? So, <clears throat> I mean, how long did it take between when the Frozen movie came out and when we saw a Frozen ride at Disney World? So I think they saw this as, oh, we've got this attraction here that people are complaining about. This is an opportunity to get Stitch into the park, which people love really, really quickly, and it fell flat on its face. Yeah, but here, here – okay. So, yes, it fell flat on its face. And Frozen is obviously really successful. It's which what I was it's not a great is, ride still, but it's successful. Well, it but it was a great ride, right? Everyone liked Maelstrom, yeah. Everyone liked Maelstrom, did, did and so they, it didn't really did change they, any of the ride features. I, I don't think they did. That ride never well, had we a liked lot. it. We liked it. And then and then you look at so like you're talking about they they have a movie. Like, Flight of Passage isn't good because of – it has nothing to do with about Avatar. I mean, it does, but it's not good because of Avatar. It's good because it's a really good attraction. You could put any – it could be flying on broomsticks in Harry Potter, and it would be still fantastic. Also, it would be – Disney would get sued, but – The problem – right. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> no, I got you. It has nothing to do with it being – and the problem with Stitch is it was just a really poorly executed – like, they just made it – they just ruined what they had, and they, they gutted it. And they tried to force Stitch on, and it didn't fit. And they let let this go on far too long. And they've never officially closed it because I don't I don't know why. But it is it is pro- maybe it might be. I mean, it's right there with Swiss Family for me. It's really it's really not good. No, it's it's not. It, I I tried to I tried to go on this just for the memories of Alien Encounter, but it just it never was the same. It never was the same from the you know. Jumping up and down on your shoulders in the dark to burping chili dogs in your face. It just, it was terrible. You know, and, and at least they did have, they left some little, I don't know if you call them Easter egg, whatever you want to call them, right? Some memories in the attraction, which were, which were nice. But yeah, it was a, it was a poorly executed attraction and uh, you cannot ride it anymore. So every, everyone else we've, we've shared, you could still go on this one. It's not officially closed, but it's not It's not there. It's pretty dismantled. It's, I think it's still officially under seasonal operation, but it hasn't opened in at least two years. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've gutted back. I'm pretty sure they've gutted this already. Now last but certainly not least on this list. And he, when he said it, when he said we don't have a lot of shows on here, the only show I saw at the time was Philhar Magic. Didn't know which direction he wanted to go on Little Mermaid, so I said, well that might could have been a show. You know, depending if you go Hollywood Studios or go Magic Kingdom. This one is 100% a show and it's a terrible show. And they have added additional show times which which I know Pete shared in the news on the last episode don't know why um it's rivers of light it's a horrible show 
the tree awakening is much better. There's everything's better. Go do Swiss Family. Go do Primeval World. Go do anything we've named that's bad tonight. It's better than Rivers of Light. I, I think you just have this unnatural hate for Rivers of Light because I, I, I'm not saying that I'm going to go to Animal Kingdom and like four Rivers of Light, right? But I, I mean, it's kind of cool. There are parts of it that are cool. It's you didn't point- even sound sincere when you said that. <laughs> it's pointless, but it's there are some cool things in it. Yeah, it's not. It's I would say it's probably the worst show at Disney World by far. I try to give we try to give you all accurate feedback, and a lot of it obviously it's our opinion because it's it's you know I can't fake it. I I would not ever recommend someone doing the show. There are better things to do in Animal Kingdom than Rivers of Light, unless you are, you know, you're ten days at Disney World, and you literally have done everything else, and you got nothing else to do. The, every show in Animal Kingdom is better than this. We don't have Bugs Life on this. Bugs Life's better than this. Oh, Bugs Life's hundred percent better than this. I mean, everything. I, I just yeah, it's not good. And and I I you know, there's sometimes we we get messages, emails, or tweets about disagreeing. I I don't think I've ever had someone disagree with Rivers of Life. I think everyone's <laughs> kind of like, yeah, he's right. You know, th- there's other things that I'm certain. You know, Ash Robert being on this list, someone's going to say someone will say you something. can't take that out, yeah. right? It, it's not one of the worst. And we and I I acknowledge that that it definitely for some people definitely should is not a worst attraction. Most people are like, yeah, Rivers of Light's terrible. Did, no, you, you saw the original one. Did you see the updated one too? I watched the updated one on YouTube and I've seen – no, you know what? No, no I've I think both, you yeah, I think seen, you went to see it actually. Yeah, I, I actually – yeah, now that I think about it, I've seen both of them. The updated one's a little better. I saw the updated one with my brother-in-law and my wife. I saw the original one with, with my wife and mom. Still pointless the, though. The original one, I'm telling you what. All three of us walked out of there like, what the heck did we just watch? <laughs> the updated one incorpor- incorporates Disney a little bit more, which made it better to me. To me, it's it's not simple to make a good show, but there are a few core values. One, you need to tell a story, and one, you need to have Disney all throughout it. Because all the people there, for the most part, are familiar with the Disney movies, the Disney music, the characters. If you do that, most people walk away saying, oh, I really enjoyed that. They don't do it here at Rivers of Light. I understand the message they're trying to force feed, but it's it's not a good it's not a good attraction. It's not a good show. It's not a good way to spend your time at Disney World. And, and I think the story thing is is what gets me the most because this this doesn't have a story at all. It's just ooh, that's pretty, right? Exactly. All right. Well, we, we'd love to hear from you guys. We know there's going to be some some disagreeing with us on these, but uh, let us know what you think. If you thought we uh, we forgot any, or if you th- think some of these should be left off the list, definitely uh, shoot us an email, shoot us a tweet, let us know. Uh, trivia question secret, what do we got this week? So I mentioned that, that both are going to be about Stitch's Great Escape, and, and I'm going to speak as if this attraction is still open in my secret, because that's the way I wrote it, because we're kind of laughing that it is still open. So Stitch's Great Escape replaced the wildly controversial attraction Alien Encounter, which we have mentioned. However, Alien Encounter is still around in some ways. The robotic sergeant named 90210 itself was a tribute to the 1990s era TV sitcom set in Beverly Hills is actually a holdover from Alien Encounter uh, when he was actually known as SIR, so still still Sir. Uh, the aliens in the teleport tubes are also holdovers. And although today they are meant to represent two different aliens, originally they were the same alien named Skippy who appeared first on the left side in pristine condition and then teleported to the right where a malfunction caused his appearance to change. Pretty so sure, I was pretty sure he was inside out, right? 
if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. And so that is uh, that's what I mean. Where there, there is still some um, memory of alien encounter when you get to go through this this uh, attraction. So hitting the trivia question from last week, um, I think our episode was was ten top drinks. So we had a drink themed trivia question. It was where can you find the Tilly Trio? It is actually on a secret menu at Let's Go Slurpin in Disney's Typhoon Lagoon. It was originally an after hours drink that everyone loved. And so they elected to add it to the secret menu. So if you go to Let's Go Slurpin, you won't see this available. But if you do ask that the, the uh, cast members working, they can make this drink for you. And it is called the Tilly Trio. And it is a park goer favorite in Typhoon Lagoon. Trivia question of this week. Uh, again, back to Stitch's Great Escape. If you were lucky to land in the main theater for Stitch's Great Escape, you would have exited into Merchants of Venus, which is a store in Tomorrowland. And when looking on the inside of the exit doors, you'll notice there is a name written in a fake alien language. What was the name written on the inside of the exit doors in a fake alien language? I know some of you may be thinking, well, if it's an alien language, how would I know? You can tell by the symbols used what the name is. Uh, so you can tweet us at podcast or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. All right. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.